Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Oxford Sandy and Black Pig Group podcast. I'm your regular host, Andrew O'Shea. Um, I'm recording the introduction to this podcast in a very gloomy, uh, autumnal uh, in- English morning in, in Lincolnshire. It's very overcast and damp, very autumnal. Um, the leaves on the trees are turning that lovely, vibrant, autumnal, um, bronzy, orangey, yellows which is really really pretty um i do love this time of year um it's cooled down for our pigs because as we know it's been a very very hot summer you know we temperatures got really high and i know you know i struggled with you know keeping pigs cork filling up wallows um you know shoring shade was in place that you know they had enough feed etc you know um it was certainly a difficult few weeks during that um hot spell so i do hope everyone else um managed to um come through that uh, unscathed so so to speak so um yes so been a difficult summer when it's nice to get the cooler weather um and also time of year for plenty of apples um which pigs absolutely love um plenty of windfalls here so yeah so anyway so this edition of the podcast is the replay of the event that we held um at the beginning of september with nicola gumry uh, and lauren dimmock from ahdb where they give us an update on uh the eml2 system uh and the legalities of transport pigs and trailers etc um very informative session um there is a link but below the description to this podcast with the slides so you can follow along with the podcast um, if you wish to do so. Anyway, before I hand over to that, um, just a few updates. Um, the second edition of our Sandy Pig magazine is out online digital. Those that subscribe to our newsletter um, will have that in their inboxes. There's a competition in there to win a... Um, a uh, cold smoker that's been donated by hotsmoke.co.uk. Many will have seen the um, the YouTube video that I did on our YouTube channel um, around cold smoking that featured that particular smoker. Um, they've agreed to give one away on the competition for, on the magazine. So check your check your inboxes and your spam junk folders to find it. There's a good chance that you might win um, one of those uh, eco smokers. And uh, and. Di- Dare I use the uh, the C word uh, in in September? I feel it's a bit earlier, but um, our Christmas competition is in the making. Um, there's there's a cracking prize this year. Um, we'll be starting that as usual on the first of September, um, with the closing date the date uh, the twenty third of December. And as always, we will announce the winner um, of the competition on Christmas Eve morning. Right. Uh, without further ado, I shall hand over. Um, to the replay uh, of the podcast. Enjoy. So without further ado, thank you to um, to Lauren and Nicola and over to Kim. Thank you. Okay. Um, it's with great pleasure that we welcome Lauren and Nicola of AHDB. Nicola is a familiar face to many of us and heads up the Bureau, which is responsible for many aspects within AHDB, one of which we are all familiar with, being the movement license, the EML2, which Nikki will kindly cover with us this evening. 
Lauren also joins us this evening. And before I introduce Lauren formally to you all, congratulations are in order as Lauren was recently married and we wish you and your husband many years of happiness, Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> Lauren is AHDB's Senior Health and Welfare Scientist and her expertise lies in disease surveillance for pork and contingency planning for notifiable disease outbreaks. She's also involved in the Significant Disease Charter which she will be covering with us this evening. Thank you, Lauren and Nikki, for both giving up your evening and sharing with us your knowledge and expertise and enlightening us all, helping us to further our knowledge on the responsibilities of pig keeping. So it is my pleasure to start the evening with Lauren. Thanks very much. And thank you so much for having us. And it's lovely to meet you all. Um, I'm gonna attempt to share my screen, which did just work a second ago, so I'm optimistic. Um, here we go. Can you all see that okay? Yes. Fabulous. Um, so thank you for um, such a lovely introduction. Um, Nikki and I are going to cover um, health, welfare of pigs and movements. Um, so put little agenda together, um, but there's plenty of flex in there for questions. So please um, pop your hands up or type them. I think there's a chat. So either or, um, and we will pick them up either as we go along or, or at the end. And I'm sure Kim, you're okay. Keep an eye on that for us and, and shout out. Um, so we will cover a little bit of getting started, the basics of what you need um, for um, keeping pigs and um, in terms of legislation. And then Nikki is going to do an EML2 demonstration uh, which would be really useful. I will run through some transport best practice and biosecurity and then cover a couple of the HDB tools for disease prevention. And then, like I said, plenty of time for questions um, for both of us. So jot them down or write them in the chat and then um, let us know at the end. So in terms of getting started um, for any new newbies um, here and in the room, Initially, you'll need to register your land with the um, RPA, Rural Payments Agency, and they will give you your CPH or your um, county parish holding number for your pigs. And that's a nine digit number. And then within 30 days of your pigs arriving, you will need to register with APHA to get your unique herd mark. So you'll then also need to think about identification, how you're going to identify your pigs once they're on the unit. So you might do that through ear tags, um, it might be um, temporary marks if you're moving wieners between farms. You might be looking at tattoos and then potentially slap marking if you're moving um, pigs off to slaughter. You'll also need to think about standstill, um, standstill restrictions. Um, there's quite a lot of information on that in the new pig keepers guide. So I've put a link to that at the bottom. I think Nick is going to cover some of it and where it fits into EML2. And it might be best to see that in action rather than for me to talk through all the, it's quite a lot of jargon, but I'm happy to, between us, we can take some questions on that as we go along if, if needed. Um, you might consider an isolation facility. So if you've got new animals coming into your unit, um, if you've got breeding animals, for example, perhaps you'd consider getting an isolation facility or somewhere to put those pigs to quarantine them before they join your herd. Make sure you're not bringing in any diseases um, or anything foreign that you're, it's going to affect the health and welfare of your existing pigs. And then finally, you think about trailer licensing. So if you're using your own trailer, um, which might be quite likely if you've got a couple of pigs and you're moving them around yourselves. And again, I think that will, Nikki would sort of talk through how that fits into EML2, but I've got some information on that in the new Pig Keepers Guide too. So um, you can access it through that link. And again, we can answer any questions on it as we go through. 
So I'll stop talking for now. I'll hand over to Nikki to do her demo and then um, I'll pick back up shortly. Okay, folks, I'm just going to share my screen and what I thought we would do is go into EAML2 itself. Okay, I, can you all see my, yes, participants can now see my screen, so it says to me. Um, so this is EAML2. I'm sure you're all familiar with logging in here and using um, your logins. Um, when I showed this, when I shared it earlier, um, Andrew said he wasn't jealous of all my menu options, but I think he was a little bit jealous of all of my menu options. Um, as I said, <laughs> because I am the leader of the bureau team, I have all of the options. Um, unless any of you are involved in perhaps markets, um, if you work in markets and things like that, I'm guessing most of you will only see up to your profile. Um, so this is the login page. And this, I'm sure you're all familiar with all of these, but from here you can um, you can go to confirm a move. You can basically go to all your menu options from here. I tend to start here in set up a move. Um, I think this page demonstrates um, something to me that I'd like to share with you all, and that that this is a system that was um, developed in 2010 and 2011, and went live fully in 2012. And as a consequence, should really have gone out of commission by now at the very latest. But because of Livestock Information Services and the, the, the will of DEFRA to want to bring the services together, EAML2 is now what is known as a DEFRA legacy system, which means we can't have a lot of investment in it. So when you look at it, when I look at it as it's kind of its biggest fan, I look at it and I feel sorry for it and I'd like I'd like to get it a new dress really but when we've got things like where we're trying to give you information that's important or that we want to flag to you it's really difficult to do that in a very sexy way hence why you get the clumsy my big blue writing with bright <laughs> yellow highlighting but that's the kind of the constraints that we work in you know we'd like to make it a bit slicker and a bit quicker and a bit fancier but I just want you to all perhaps bear that in mind when you're going through it and you're waiting for the the wheel of doom for a few seconds as things load and things like that so you know feel it's a bit of an old girl so so treat it with care please <laughs> but anyway I thought what I could do to start with is just demonstrate a simple slaughter movement because that takes us through and will include the food chain information stuff and the slaughter movement that, that, that you form that you fill on online tends to have virtually all of the questions in it. I thought I'd then very quickly demonstrate a show movement and the need for the show movements circular cyclical process something like that it's in a circle you go all the way around <laughs> um, and then I can talk to you any differences around kind of show movements and special licenses and stuff like that. Does that seem okay with everyone? Just a bit of a nod of a head of those heads I can see. Does that look all right? Fabulous, right. So I'm gonna choose my departure site. For most of you that might, again, that might already pre-populate if you only have one holding because I'm attached to different holdings, I get a choice. I'm then gonna to go to an abattoir. I'm gonna select my abattoir. I'm going to select, not that one, 
sorry folks, technical issue. I'm going to select Porco Meats. Never works quite as well in a live demo, does it? <laughs> I find. <laughs> so I've chosen my destination. I just click on new movement. And this takes me into the screens that populate your license that you print off at the end and take to slaughter with you. So at the top, these questions at the beginning um, of the form, these are all questions that you can pre-populate in PigHub. So you can, I'll show you where the link is when I finish this movement, but you can go into PigHub and you can choose your vet, you can choose your owner. So it might be that, I don't know, your bed and breakfast, breakfasting pigs for somebody else and actually although you're the keeper of the pigs somebody else is the owner so that's why that's there um you might be looking after pigs for somebody else that kind of thing I don't know all sorts of things might be going on but if you go into pig hub you can pre-populate a lot of these so you don't have to fill them in every time as you can see all of mine have pre-populated because I'm good and I filled them in so one of the new questions that we've got, well, I say new, from Brexit, so it's actually quite old now, it still feels new to me, um, talks about the quarterly vet statement. Now, this is something that's required if you're red tractor assured. If you're not red tractor assured, then you don't need to worry about it. If you are, if you want to get some details from me later afterwards, if you let Kim have some details and me and Lauren would be happy to talk through any of the red tractor kind of things for you guys, all right. Um, so no, I'm not. And no, this question is about batch finishing. Am I an all in, all out system? If I said yes to that, it would then ask me if this batch of pigs that were going out were the last batch in this batch, last batch in this batch, yes. <laughs> um, I am not an all out. And again, this is pre-populated in pickup. So this is where the real questions start in my view. You should always be able to see your own herd mark in this drop down list, and this is the herd mark that you pick. Even if you're moving farm to farm and you're going to put a temporary mark on your pigs because they're under 12 months old, you still choose your herd mark here because it's your farm identifier and your herd identifier. You can then later on in the license put that you're moving on a purple spray or a blue dot and things like that. But you can't do that on a slaughter license, hence why the option isn't there. Number of pigs that are going, so let's say that we're taking 10. This is again, you need to keep ticking that little box. These are little things that are going to annoy you all. I know they do, um, but these are the things that when it's a legacy system, we have trouble funding any updates for them. So any individual IDs, if you number your animals or you have individual ID tags for animals, you can put it in here. It's not compulsory for a slaughter movement. It's entirely up to how really you run your business and your paperwork and things like that. And then we've got select the consignment of pigs. Now, for a slaughter movement, there's not that many. So we've got finished pigs controlled and finished pigs non-controlled. Now, I know that we've had podcasts before where we've been through what controlled and non-controlled is. Um, we've had many people talk, I know, even to you guys about it. And it's a really tricky subject. Um, really, this is about are we controlling the wildlife getting to our stock and wildlife getting into our food and our water really um so you know um whether how how you manage your stock and whether they wander about and actually they can get all sorts of things as they're wandering around um in which case it, you would 
tick non-controlled. And that's okay. All it means is that the abattoir will have to do a trichinella test. Now that trichinella test is free. It doesn't cost them any money. If you're going to a smaller abattoir, abattoir you might want to let them know, or if you've already got those relationships, I'm guessing you've already talked through what all the consequences are and you've got those working relationships set up. If you've got any queries or questions on particular abattoirs with that, please give me or one of my team a shout and we'll happily talk you through or talk to the abattoir and, and that kind of stuff. It's, we've done it before many times. So for this, I'm going to put finish non-controlled. Oh, let me just talk you through the other options, obviously. Um, we've got cull sows and boars. So these are the um, breeding pigs that you've got in your herds that have come to end of life. All cull sows and boars have to be trichinella tested by law. So if you're if they're culls, they're not fattened for finishing. They're not finished. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're not going for meat, for, for good quality meat. Got farmed wild boar. I can't imagine many of you are farming wild boar, but there are wild boar farms, wild boar farms out there. Um, domestic pigs under five weeks of age, <clears throat> again, unlikely that you are going to have any of those. And I would suggest that cullen controlled finishers and cullen controlled non finishers, I would suggest you don't use them. If you're going to send cull animals in, I would do a separate license for, for your culls going in. Even if they're going in on the same lo load, I would do a separate license for your culls to your finishers. It keeps everything nice and clear for the abattoir, and it means that the <clears throat> meat can be treated in the right way when it goes through the process for kill. So I'm going to have finished uncontrolled pigs and remember to tick my little box. Again, born and reared in the UK, I would imagine all of your pigs pretty much are born and reared in the UK. If they're not, um, then you've got the other options, reared in the UK, but born in another country, reared in another country and imported for slaughter. And then you select where your pigs have come from. Mine have come from the UK. So I'm going to tick, finish that question. So has the consignment of pigs been kept since birth in premises where measures have been in place to contain these animals within specific controlled buildings or enclosures? Now, I know they're easy questions to answer, which is obviously why my team was so good at it on the phone when they go through it. <clears throat> this again, this is about whether your meat is going to be able to be marketed outside of the UK. So it really, the question is there for the, um, the abattoirs that want to be able to export their meat following slaughter. If you're having your meat back and you have all of your meat back, then it really doesn't matter. But that's really what that question is about. And again, control buildings. If we look at this, the help here says this covers pigs that were moved into your farm and those raised from birth on your farm. You should be receiving confirmation from your suppliers that they have farming and biosecurity measures in place. Again, all of this Lauren will touch on, but, but I think now more than ever, it's about understanding where your stock's coming from and feeling assured about where your stock's coming from so you can answer these questions correctly. There is no right or wrong answer. We're not saying, oh, well, no, you don't know. Oh, well, you can't possibly keep pigs. It, it's just information so that when we, if the worst comes to the worst and we have a disease outbreak, we know what's happened. We know what pigs have moved where. We know how they've been um, reared and in what conditions they've been reared. 
So it, as I say, I feel like sometimes we're asking trick questions and we're really not trying to. We're really just trying to get all the information that every part of the supply chain needs for their business to continue and be successful. So it's kind of we have to ask everything for everybody. But have this batch of pigs um, covered on this license resided in your premises for a minimum of 40 days? Yes, they have. Again, if they haven't, it's about export of meat. Um, and it's about that EU exit Brexit, EU exit policies that we had to put in place um, to continue trading. I've got here the name of the abattoir that I'm going to, so you can just confirm, yes, I have chosen the right place. Um, and then we're into some medical questions. So have any of the pigs been treated with any veterinary medical products or other treatments in the past 28 days? Again, for the majority, I'm guessing you, for the majority of you, that will be no. If you click yes, then what you can then do, if you go into this highlighted box, you probably can't see on my shared screen, but there's two little, um, there's like a little set of binoculars. So it goes, takes you to a lookup screen and that opens a different screen. And in here, you can look at what the condition is. You can set the date of when you last administered the medicine and then you can search for the medicine. I won't find anything, no doubt, just because I don't know what any medicines are called. But you pick that medicine. You pick the withdrawal period days. I knew I wouldn't pick anything because I'm doing this as a demo, but it picks it all up. It gets all of the right information according to the VMD and their lists and then it populates everything in here. It just saves you sitting here and going, yeah, how many pigs? Um, okay, and then I need to type in what the medicines are. This will populate, pre-populate for you if you do it this way. Again, if you've got something, if you've had a particular, um, where you've been treating for something, so you've done this before, it should give you something here. So if I pop that in, there we go. and that will come up there. So, I'm not got any medicines. Do you have a salmonella control plan? Again, this is a risk assessment farm tool. It is not compulsory. If you've got one, great. If you haven't, that's fine. You click no. If you want more information on it and you click through, there's a link there to talk you through the salmonella risk assessment tool. Is the holding under any restrictions for animal health reasons? Again, that's something that you will know, um, that you're aware of. The things that people perhaps get tripped up a little bit on if they've got cattle and those cattle are under um, restrictions for TB, unless your pigs are absolutely stated on that restriction document, then your pigs are still free to travel. So that will, the vet on site who comes and um, puts you under restrictions for your cattle will also assess that and that will be there for you to be able to see. Um, I'm not under any restriction restrictions. And this is, have any analysis been shown that any animals may have been exposed to substances likely to result in residues in their meat? Somebody explained this to me when I first started this job as, have your pigs likely been able to get a, a little battery in the corner of the barn and given it a good lick? Now, I don't know whether that's a good enough explanation, but it's what I've always used. And I've never had anybody say yes, that they've given them their pigs something likely that's going to cause problems in its meat. So I'm guessing if people are feeding people horrible things to their pigs, they're probably not doing EAML2 licenses and doing all the rest of their things right. <laughs> but that's how it's been described to me. So no, 
that hasn't happened to me. So here we've got hauliers. So if you're using an assured haulier, again, if you click on this little link, that will bring it up here. You can search for an assured haulier. So I don't know whether we've got a BPEX test one. Yeah, so I've got a test haulier here. I can click on that and then it pre-populates all the details that I need. If you're, click, if you're self hauling, then you click on self hauling. And again, that will pre-populate all of your holding details that, you're, that are needed on that license. The only thing you need to add in is the vehicle registration number. Um, if you're using an, a short hauler, you may not know that as you're doing the license for a couple of days time. So don't worry about that, but you need to fill that in when you confirm the movement off your holding. So you need to make a note of it if they're coming to collect, if you've got another transportation company coming to collect. So, Andrew, Claire, you look like you're going to ask a question. Yeah, that's what I am going to ask you a question. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so if someone fills this in incorrectly and submits the movement and you're using a third party haulier, i.e. it's not the, the source or the destination and that's filled yeah. incorrectly, is it? I've not been able to find any way that you can correct that in the at the end when you acknowledge the movement. No, Is so you can't. Added? No, so you can't do it when you're confirming the movement. If you're doing it before um, or prior to the movement, and you know they're going to change, either drop an email into our team or give them a quick phone call or request them to give you a call back. In the email, we need the reference number that you've created, the haulier details, what they've that they've changed to, and then my team can happily update that for you in the admin system and send you that same. It will be the same reference number, um, and we can send that back to you so you've got the correct details. Thank you. That's okay. Lovely. So I'm self-hauling these pigs. Um, my vehicle reg is. Lovely. Okay, so in the anticipated journey details, the only thing you need to fill in is the loading date. If you pick it from this calendar, so let's say we're moving tomorrow, you don't actually need to fill anything else in. It will add in, it will bring up your loading date and your departure date. If you want to add in your estimated time of leaving and how long your journey is going to take on this system, then you can. If not, what tends to happen is people fill it in by hand onto the license as they leave somewhere, as they have loaded, you know, they're meant to load at 10 o'clock and before you knew it, the geese were out and other things happened and we didn't load till 11 o'clock. You can handwrite it onto the license and when you do your confirmation, you'll confirm what time they left your holding and the person that receives the pig, so in this case, the abattoir, in their confirmation, they confirm time of offloading. So it is done. So if you don't do it here and you're not sure here, it doesn't matter as long as you've got that date in place. Again, we tick the box. And as my team will tell you, it's something I'm bound to have not ticked. Oh, see, I was knew I was bound to have not ticked something. <laughs> so have all withdrawal periods been met? Yes. So because I eventually managed rather uncleverly to add a medicine there I had to say whether withdrawal periods have been met or not for that medicine and in the longest EAMLT license in history I'm hoping I will now go through to a PDF which will be the movement license there we go so um, 
you need to print this off. It needs to be travel with you. This is another one of those things we're constantly talking to DEFRA about being able to um, about being able to use your um, smartphones and things like that because we all know that that you know we should be able to do that. Um, however, it is currently written in the legislation that you must take this piece of paper with you and that you could be liable for a fine. I've I personally I've never come across anybody that's been fined and I'm personally think that DEFRA are not out looking for you not taking bits of paper I think if you could prove that you had got that on your smartphone then you'd probably be all right but the letter of the law says you take the bit of paper with you if you're having problems printing if you've got an issue with that kind of stuff again give my team a shout we can print things and we can post them to you we can also post you down some blank licenses so that if nothing else in an emergency you can do the form online you can get through to this screen and then you can handwrite everything out with that reference number that we as a team would be able to confirm that it was a legitimate license that had been created electronically pre-notified <sighs> take a breath is there anything right now on that slaughter license that that you want to talk about or that you want to touch upon before I move swiftly on to having a quick look at show moves. So there's a question here. Um, so can we move to a slaughter under 12 months on a temporary mark? I think you already touched on that. I think the answer to that is that anything going to slaughter needs to bear the, the mark of the holding yep. for your departure. Correct. So that's the same for um, slaughter moves and for um, market moves and for show moves. You really should have your animals tagged for shows. Um, you don't need, and I know you guys um, have got pedigree tags. Obviously, you don't need those if you're just going to go to slaughter, but you do need your herd mark, either in a slap mark on the two shoulders or in an ear tag. Okay, so I have a personal question and it's purely from I think you've already touched on this at the beginning of the call but um, in regards to the there's lots of fraudulent activity around on the internet and you know you're logging to AHDB whilst the password is strong the username isn't quite mine's four digits is there any yeah. is there any move so, to, to strengthen that or is that can anyone change that manually or is that predefined? No, so your username is predefined. You'll have noticed probably in the last 18 months or so, you will have all had to have redo your password. So your password should now be a much stronger, I mean, your password used to sometimes be four digits as well. So we have gone through a security review of the passwords and everyone should by now have had to have logged in and created a longer password or the system will have done it for you. Mike and Jane, Mike's looking dubious about whether he's had a password sent to him, but we'll investigate that offline maybe. <laughs> um, but you should, there was a big security review done across all of AHDB systems, Andrew, um, including EAMLT. And that was one of the things that had to be changed. So. They then said, because we were moving to livestock information services, that, that what we didn't want to do is make people change their username, change their password, and then in theory do it again in another 12 months time. That, that timeline sense. has now 
lagged, but that was the original reasoning by not doing it at this point. I mean, yeah, I agree with that approach. I mean, it's just, you know, from a working industry I work in, fishing, PH, not F, you know, to get IDs and information, not there's much you can get from a financial perspective. To be, no, absolutely. Yes. But to be honest with you, we were attacked um, not that long ago and we stopped the attack. So I feel quite comfortable in our security. My biggest problem with our security is the sharing of usernames and passwords, which lots and lots of people do. Um, you can't so stop that with anyone. No, exactly. You know, exactly. So, you We're know, trying to yeah. tackle it in the bigger businesses. But, you know, but I feel quite comfortable, as I say, with the security. It could always be better, of course. Um, and I think I'm hoping that we'll get a little bit of investment in EAML too. Now that we've had the, the livestock information timeline has, has moved a little bit. Um, <coughs> so I think security will be one of the things that they want to look at. Definitely. Thank you. I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot at all. But yeah, thank no. you. That's fine. So very quickly, I'm going to show you a show movement. I'm not going to bore you to death with all of my explanation of all of those questions again, because they're actually relatively simple in the show movement. So if we go to set up a move again. And let's do Perky Pink Pigs again. We're going to go to a show. Once you've chosen a show, what you'll get is a list of shows that are currently available. And I think it's within a 30 day period. So if you get there and you haven't got the show that you know that you're going to, then give the team a call. They will have a look for you. They will either get it put on the system or they'll talk you through what you need to do or they'll give the stewards a call. I think Kim, either yourself or somebody got in touch with my team not very recently. Um, so they know what they're doing with shows. If it's not on this drop down, give us a call and we'll get it fixed. Um, so I'm going to go to the BPEX um, Sal show, which will be lovely for me. Um, new movement. Again, here's these pre-populated things that you can do in Pig Hub. We've then got... So there's not a lot of FCI information because obviously it's not going into the food chain, but sometimes pigs do move from shows straight to slaughter. So it's useful to have the information there. So again, I'm just going to pick all of these. I'm taking two. Ooh, no, I'm taking 32. That's a big old show. I'll just take two with me. Um, they have got their IDs on there. My pigs numbers three and four. These are breeding sows. Country of origin is the UK. Um, moving on a temporary mark, no. Is it within a pig pyramid? A pig pyramid is a breeding pyramid. It is, if you are in a pyramid, you will know you're in a pyramid. If you're not sure what a pyramid is, then you're definitely not in a pyramid. But basically, it's, it's a breeding pyramid. Um, and it allows um, breeding companies to move between farms and, and not have their standstill affected, but they have very strict um, isolation units and things like that as they're moving pigs around. So I'm not within a pig pyramid. Again, the haul year is exactly the same. So I'm self hauling on this occasion. I'm not sure what my vehicle ID is and I'm going on the 10th. I'm going to the BPEX test show and I'm going to submit my move. There's always something I haven't done when I'm doing a demo. 
<laughs> I'm used to it. You want to hope that nobody's ill and you get me on the phone if ever you ring up. Uh, where are we? No. Let's see if that's done it. Okay, so that's gone through. I've now got my Hordia summary and I can print that off and that is my license to go from home to the show. I then need at the same time to do my return journey or my journey to another destination. As it happens, I'm going to go home. As you'll see, it's actually pre-populated nearly everything on this license for me. My herb marks there, the number of pigs there, what they are, because nothing has changed. I'm bringing exactly the same stock home that I took to the show. Um, everything's the same. I'm coming back on the 10th. It's not an overnight show. And I submit my movement. And that then gives me my second license, and that is my return home license. If you sell stock at a show, then you need to go to our help section. So if you're going to a show and you think you might be selling stock, if you go to our help section, it has become really um, unwieldy, but there is a show sale template link there. I'm not going to open it because it keeps taking me into a different browser and I'm not sure how to share different browsers in this Zoom place, but it basically gives you a blank, what is a show, social, show sale template. And that looks very, very similar to a um, EAMLT license. You fill it out by hand and the reference number Hi. that you put in is the show movement reference where you went from home to the show. That is the reference number that you give to anybody that you sell stock to at a show. When they then get home from the show, they go to report a show purchase move. They click on there and they put in your reference number. Once they've done that, they can register the move and that will go through all the normal questions then of confirming a movement, okay? It's, I, I can't do it here because I haven't set up a demo one to show you, but it's really, once you once you put in that show sale reference, so making sure it's the movement from your house to the show that you give to the, your, the people that are buying from you, you put that in there, um, you click register your sale move, it won't go through me because I haven't got a reference number, um, and that will take you through the screens that the buyer needs to go through when they get home. When you get home, might give me a similar yeah so this isn't the same license that I've just set up but this is the screen you'll go to when you'll report when you're confirming your show movement and you've got a home so this is me going to the show so I put in my vehicle reg arrived then three arrived and there were none dead on arrival I confirm that move and then if I sold a pig at the show, I would then again put in my vehicle reg, three pigs, three pigs arrived home, no, 
come here. <laughs> Two, confirm. Two in here, sorry. And this then asks you to ask you, well, well, you took three to the show. What happened to your other pig? And you simply put sold at show or what, you know, some text to that effect. Um, submit reason. And there you go, you're completed. So once you confirm buttons have moved, you know that you've completed that show movement. Are there any questions about that? Because that's probably something you do far less than slaughter moves. Right. The only thing, other thing that Kim perhaps asked me to mention was when you look at setting up a move, you also have a performance location on there. Now, performance location, special destination, these are the same things. So this is an example of this is um, Anton Deck having a piglet race on Saturday night takeaway. A special performance license. I don't know. That was a good example. Probably not, Lauren. Sorry, <laughs> but it did happen, and I did do the license. <laughs> um, but that's a special destination. They don't. ITV um, TV studios do not need a CPH number in order to receive live animals to them. They will have a performance um, license, so they will have vets on site, and the place will have been checked, and things like that. Um, but equally, this is about you taking, um, again, it's about you taking piglets to the local school when you're talking about food chain, things like that. Again, we, a school doesn't need a CPH unless obviously it's a farming school, um, in which case there will be very different implications about you taking your livestock there. But you, they don't need to set up their own CPH. But what you do need to do, in, in my opinion, is if you're going to do that, then I think you should talk to your local vet and you and your local vet go down, have a walk around the school. Um, and Lauren will touch on this much more and make sure that you've got really good, strong biosecurity in place at the school as well. You know, and, and again, it's teaching that lesson around, you know, we don't just wander about with our animals and we go where we like. And it's so that's the kind of movement you do here. Now, if I search for my destination, So as you can see, I've done this quite a lot. So I've set up a destination called Nikki School. However, I've, that's not where you guys go and you don't wanna go to my school, you wanna go to your own schools. But what you can do is now just register the site that you're going to. So, you know, I don't need to teach you how, how to do this. It's not even a postcode. You select the address, you put the name, you know, so local school, you put all the details in and you register them. It doesn't give them a CPH number, but it gives you an address that you then create that license to. So that's the difference, really, is it is some, somewhere you might go that hasn't got a permanent CPH. So it's a one off. It's something unusual. Um, it's something where you think, well, do they need to register with RPA? Is this school ever going to have, is it ever going to behave in a way that has livestock or um, crops and things like that? Highly unlikely. Okay. So this question came from, um, so if there's an agricultural show, 
There is no pig show classes taking place, but it's purely a pig exhibition. There's a tent within and on a showground. You will still say pigs moving to a show. Yes, I, in my view, and Lauren, you might want to come in on this. Um, if you've got a show and there are any livestock bit there, for whatever reason, the show should be registering through APHA that they have got whatever livestock. Again, you know, the pigs aren't being shown there, but we've got a, an exhibition of pigs. They need to be registered by APHA and you do it as a show because that show will have a CPH number and it will have uh, the location of this year's particular show yeah. will be registered. So if, you know, Devon County Show, for example, might be in several locations over the years, but Dev Devon County Show will have a CP its own CPH number. Mm -hmm. And each year, the steward will register with APHA to say, this is our CPH number. This is where we're having our show this year. These are all the approvals that we need or have had. Okay. So that's definitely a show. Right. Okay. Regardless whether or not there's classes or not, it's a show because it's got its own CPH number. Fine. Yep, okay, absolutely. Brilliant. And they have the show, the stewards and the showgrounds have a responsibility to be in deploying the correct biosecurity, and that is the correct way for them to do it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Lovely. Thank you. Well, here endeth the lesson on um, on EAML two. Um, I think, Lauren, if we move swiftly on, unless there's any burning questions for me, because um, I droned on quite a lot, I do apologise. Well, thanks, Nikki. I will reshare. Uh, is that okay? Perfect. Um, so, just following on from um, Nikki's sort of Nikki's talk. My, uh, I'm going to say passion, um, and you're all going to laugh, but um, one of my big, big things is about biosecurity. So um, there's nothing sexy about it. Everyone hates it. You mention it, and everyone's like, oh, no, she's talking about biosecurity again. It's really simple, but it really is the first line of defence. Um, and it's great if you can do, you know, you have fantastic pigs, you've got a brilliant system set up, they're your passion, and then a disease comes in because of something really simple that you could have avoided. Um, so I'm going to touch on a few things. Um, there's lots of information on some of these slides, so I'm not going to read them all to you. I'm just going to highlight the key bits and then I'll send the slide deck over to Kim and she can share it with you. So you've got it as a reference point. So there are three sort of key areas um, from a biosecurity perspective or a keeping disease out, which is my other approach to try and um, excite people to talking about biosecurity, because that's what it's all about, keeping disease out. You just don't want it on your unit, on your farm, in your animals. So in terms of looking at animals as the first one, it's all about checking the health of your new animals with your vet. So you want to know the health status before new stock comes in. And then you want to agree and decide on a suitable introductory period and any vaccinations and um, mange treatments, that kind of thing that they need to get that all agreed before they arrive. So you know exactly what you're dealing with. You then want to make sure that you've got a suitable isolation facility and somewhere to quarantine those animals, um, anything new. So there's plenty of time to identify any issues before you then mix them in um, with your new stock. And then it's touching on cleaning and disinfection. So making sure that there's thorough cleaning and disinfection. Disinfectant doesn't work when there's poo everywhere. So making sure you're removing any organic matter before applying it um, and giving it a really thorough clean out. 
keeping pets and other animals away from where your pigs are kept and telling visitors the same. So as people are coming to see you, make sure that there's not someone's dog running in amongst your pigs and dropping scraps or dropping their bone or anything like that, because again, it's, it's just not worth the risk. And then a real sort of important one is around feeding a specialist pig feed. So I know that um, feed prices at the moment particularly are a nightmare, but it is really important that there's a specialist pig feed fed um, rather than feeding kitchen straps and, and um, card, um, garden waste, um, kitchen waste. So um, avoid at all costs. It's illegal um, and it's just not worth the risk. And um, I think lots of people can remember back to sort of foot and mouth disease and I'll touch on African swine fever later, but um, it would just be one gram of infected meat that could bring another disease like foot and mouth into our um, country, into our pigs, and it's just not worth the risk. So moving on to dead stock um, storage, making sure that you've got a sealed locked container for your dead stock, and also agreeing a um, collection point with your local Nakaman or um, fallen stock organization. So ideally that wants to be outside the perimeter of your farm or as close as possible to the, you know, to the outside of your farm. And um, it really wants to be away from public um, access and particularly from where your pigs are currently so ensuring that that is really out of the way and um, that someone can drive in ideally without having to drive through where your live pigs are to collect um, dead pigs and if you're in doubt with any of these things then speak to your vet um, and they'll always be happy to give you some advice and likewise we have quite a lot of resources online and in the um, new pig keepers guide so use that have a read through and if you've got specific questions um, I'll come on to our contact details but just ask and it's what we're here for so please do shout um, on the same line as animals comes boar sharing. So for anybody that is bringing a boar in, make sure that he's healthy, that he's fit and he's up to the job. So he's got his vaccinations and he's had his mange treatment too. Don't want any nasties bought in um, at that point. And also it works the other way. So making sure that your sows and gilts are in good health and good condition and they're not likewise going to pass something back to him really make sure that he's delivered in a clean vehicle and in a suitable sort of drop off scenario so bring him ideally to the perimeter of your farm and walk him in rather than you know, avoid meeting in a lay-by somewhere and doing a transfer at a car park or a central point because you just don't know what bacteria viruses diseases you're going to be picking up and actually if it's at your house or it's at the location that your that your pigs are kept you're in charge of that biosecurity and you can make sure that anything that's coming close to your your sort of pigs is clean and um, isn't bringing anything in and if vehicles are arriving, if he arrives and he's in a dirty lorry, stop him. Make sure that it's cleaned before it comes onto your unit. Um, so obviously treat him as incoming stock, isolate him. Um, if you're short on time, make sure that your animals are moved into the isolation pen with him and then you can isolate them afterwards. Um, so there's no risk of any transfer to your um, other animals. And then likewise, if you've loaned a boar, make sure you isolate him for six weeks before then allowing him back in um, to where he came from. So the next one is vehicles. And I got the really glamorous title at HDB of being the face of lorry washing. Um, but I'm going to be, <laughs> um, which I think was an honor. <laughs> um, I'll leave you to that one. But um, it's vehicles are incredibly important. And there is a massive push at the moment from, um, and rightfully so, from DEFRA on um, the cleanliness of of vehicles because they travel around so quickly um 
they could get they're so difficult to clean it's not an easy job we know that cleaning out lorries so even smaller trailers um, can still take you a good couple of hours to do a thorough job but it's really worth doing um so it's legislation it's law that you have to clean a trailer within 24 hours of um it holding or carrying pigs but again ideally keep vehicles that aren't yours um, onto the perimeter outside the perimeter of your farm so avoid unnecessary um, vehicles coming through particularly driving near where your pigs are so if you can have I know you know it's difficult to have separate entry and exit points but if you can um, have your pigs housed separately from where other vehicles are coming that will make a big difference if they are coming onto your site which is, is fair enough you know we can't all build enormous spaces for, for that kind of setup make sure that you're using a defra approved disinfection disinfectant so that link at the bottom um on the right will take you to the defra defra approved disinfectant list and it will show you a it looks an intimidating table but actually it's quite simple to use it will show you a list of all the disinfectants you can check that the one you're um using is on there you can check the diseases that it's protecting against and it will help you um, define the dilution rates so make sure you're using the right concentration um, before you start because obviously if you're not using enough it's not going to work and then make sure that again as i've said removing all the visible muck before um, you use it and give it the best possible chance of working so little motto that if any visitors aren't clean on the day and um, turn them away just there's no need for them to come so this was the reason for the face behind the lorry washing. Um, I work quite closely with um, the National Pig Association to create this muck-free truck campaign. And Nikki's team have been fantastic in helping um, spread the word. Um, and it's all really just to highlight the fact that obviously shown on this picture are commercial vehicles, but it applies to any vehicles at all. So even your routine car, if you're going out to a show, um, make sure that you are disinfecting think about the risk of um, what you're potentially bringing back to your um, your pigs at home. So on our website, we have some um, posters and cab stickers available to download, and they just break down the really sort of key steps for um, cleaning and disinfectant. And you can stick them up, you could um, share them with visitors, you can um, share them at shows, just anything to help sort of spread the word really that um, this was designed for African swine fever, but it applies to any disease. So any disease that you've not got on your unit already, you don't want to have, and all of these steps apply. Um, so you can visit our website and um, access these, but please do, um, I keep looking out as I'm driving around the country for um, the cab stickers with the, um, the muck-free truck cab stickers. So just to help spread the word, um, particularly at the moment when obviously we've got African swine fever sort of looming in Europe and edging ever closer. It's a really simple step to just um, keep protect us and sort of every, if everyone does their bit it, it makes a big difference and it's a nice way having a sticker is a lovely way of showing you're doing your bit um so then looking at people i'm sure you all already do but wear dedicated clothes when you're visiting your pigs make sure that any visitors do the same um and they're aware of the procedures that you've got in place so um give them some overalls give them some overshoes provide disinfectant if possible for them to clean their shoes clean their um, wheels if they're coming within you know if they have to come close to your pigs um use the appropriate signage so we've got loads and loads of signs um, available on the htb website 
no entry signs they're particularly useful if you've got footpaths running near your house or where your pigs are so um particularly ones around either no entry or please don't feed the pigs i think we you know we often get calls in the health team from people who um they're concerned that their pigs may have you know if they found food waste in the corner of a field and often it can be a sort of well-meaning member of the public that's walked down a footpath and thought I'll, I'll feed them like animals I'll feed them and obviously we know it's the worst thing that they can do but put a sign up if in doubt put loads of signs up make it really obvious that you don't want anyone else feeding your pigs and then again um, no pork products to be kept um, near your pigs anyone that's visiting anyone that's helping you out with the pigs you don't want them eating meat whilst they're um, you know anything that's at risk of being dropped or um, trodden into the ground that we know that pigs love to eat and it's a risk so keep meat things away so my other baby is the significant diseases charter and it is a voluntary scheme um, to so you can sign up through your pig hub account or you could email uh, me or one of the team on the email address there pig health and um, the idea is that it will give you email alerts in the event of a disease outbreak. Now, it predominantly focuses on two diarrhea diseases, um, which are swine dysentery, which you may be familiar with already that unfortunately we do have in the country. And we, we tend to get flare ups of that sort of seasonally, um, but also PEDV, which is porcine epidemic diarrhea virus. Now, thankfully, we don't have that, but it's caused real devastation in America and Canada. Um, and it's considered an industry-led notifiable disease. So you would have to report it to DEFRA um, if your vet suspected it. Um, but DEFRA, because um, DEFRA have sort of delegated the responsibility for that to industry to resolve. So the idea of the charter is it provides this sort of fast communication network that if there was an outbreak, um, if you're a charter member, you'd notify HDB that your vets um, well, suspected a case. We would then um, look at tracing. So we'd use the movement system to identify any movements from um, the affected holding. Um, we'd look then at what the risk of spread is. So we'd put in some temporary um, exclusion zones on EML2 to map out where um, there may be a risk of movement. Now, this is all voluntary. So as AHGB, we have no um, legislative power. We can't enforce movement restrictions, but we can put zones in place to highlight. So as you log in to make a movement, we can highlight that there is um, a P has been a PEDV outbreak, for example, um, a high risk area. So any units within a um, 10k kilometre of that area of that affected unit would be flagged and then you'd get a notification to say you're making um, you're planning to make a move into this um, area where there's been an outbreak are you sure you want to proceed and in an ideal world you say no I'm going to wait until um, that restriction has been lifted or I can reroute or um, you know you'd reassess or okay I've got to make that move so I'm going to really increase my biosecurity and um, put in some extra measures to make sure that um, I'm not bringing a risk back to my farm so through charter notification, anytime there is an outbreak of swine dysentery or if there was PEDV, you'd get an email notification that would say swine dysentery notification or PEDV notification. You'd get the postcode outcode, which is the first few digits of the postcode. So say for me now, YO26, there's been an outbreak of swine dysentery in YO26. Um, and then there'd be some details about the, um, in North Yorkshire, and there'd be some details about the um, actions that have been taken to control the outbreak so for example um i've had an outbreak my pigs are being medicated and um i'm planning to um either rest them um medicate them rest them and then when i've sold them i will thoroughly clean and disinfect and rest my unit before i repopulate 
or sometimes some of the commercial units may um, depopulate more quickly and all that kind of thing. So you can, it's a useful, it's a quick um, anonymous update. So, you know, it doesn't say Fred Bloggs has got an outbreak and this is you. It's not a scaremongering um, technique. We only send notifications when there is an outbreak. So there's no rumour mill. And the idea is actually to stop the rumour mill. So we only react once we've got confirmation of an outbreak. Um, and it's all about encouraging people to communicate when there is an outbreak so that it can quickly be, um, you know, it can be quickly be contained and hopefully we can reduce any damage. Um, so it's open to everyone and it's only as strong as, you know, the, the members. So I'd really encourage you to sign up. Um, and if you need any help with that, then you can contact our team or the Bureau, um, Nikki's team, and they will um, give you a hand. Or if you're PigHub savvy, you can log on to PigHub um, and do it through there as well. But yeah, it does currently just cover swine dysentery and PEDV, but there is scope to in, um, include other diseases in the future. And we do review it regularly. So if there are new and emerging threats, we would um, update it accordingly. And likewise, if there were to be a notifiable disease outbreak, we would use that as a way of communicating quickly with, with charter members to send them biosecurity information and that kind of thing. So worth thinking about. And then it wouldn't be fair if I um, didn't mention African swine fever. So I'm sure you're all aware of it. Um, but so the sort of two sections to this side, I guess, what the risk is, it's the, you know, it used to be a disease that we saw um, other side of the world. Now we're looking at it spreading through Europe and we're seeing some big leaps um, in Germany. So it, it is getting closer. And I know um, on sort of death recalls, we hear that it's not a case of um, if it happens, it's, it's a when. Um, and yes, we're an island and so we, we have some protection, but actually the biggest threat is through imported product. Um, and we're seeing a lot of that through um, now flights have resumed again, you know, historically border force didn't have resource to um, search um, baggage and, and I think general public weren't aware that it was a risk, but DEFRA have recently increased the um, suspected risk to high through human mediated channels. So that means people coming back from overseas and bringing infected pork in their baggage. So recent announcements from DEFRA um, mean that they they now border force are going to be um, empowered to do more searching there's going to be more communications at the airports and so I'd really encourage you to look out for them but also to share to spread the word I think from an HDB perspective we're always aware that we're preaching to the converted sometimes and actually everybody who owns a pig or um, is involved in the industry or you know has friends and family who and, and they care about the industry and animals can be spreading this word um, that don't bring any meat back in your luggage. It's just not worth it. Um, we've got plenty in, in, you know, here. So really try and help spread that message and keep an eye out on them. If you're on holiday, please keep an eye out at the ports and airports. Um, but just to make you aware of the clinical signs, so high fevers, loss of appetite. If you're seeing sort of um, hemorrhaging around the ears um, and the eyes, that's the, the first sort of obvious signs. And then death, um, unfortunately. Um, make sure that you're, you're calling your vet urgently. Um, there's some plenty of information on our website. So um, there's signs, posters, sort of clinical sign images, so you can see what you're looking out for. Um, but I think key things that you can be doing right now, make sure you've got a good biosecurity plan. Um, make sure that visitors are aware. So it's lovely to be able to show people your pigs, but make sure that visitors are aware of the increased risk. And it is an increased risk of African swine fever. So make sure they're, they're cleaning and disinfecting, wearing your um, the clothes that you've provided. Do not feed kitchen waste um, under any circumstances. 
and also have a contingency plan. So in the event, um, you might think, oh, I've, I've not got, you know, I'm not a massive I'm not a commercial unit. Why does it matter? Well, if your unit was put under restrictions and you couldn't move your pig um, or pigs, what impact would that then have? Um, so from a welfare perspective, do you have the space to keep them a little bit longer? Do you have sufficient bedding? Um, do you have you know all the things to um, sufficient feed? Have you thought about um, that situation that if you were in a, um, a control zone and you couldn't move things freely on and off, how would you do that? And how would you manage and make sure that your pig's um, welfare needs and, and health needs are, are met? So have a think, jot them down. Um, there's a little template there in that link um, under contingency plan. So you could use that just to, to jot things down. Um, and there's also a pork weekly newsletter that's sent out um, weekly, funnily enough, by HDB. So you can sign up um, using that email address, but that will keep you sort of abreast of any developments with ASF so and any other emerging diseases. So um, please do sign up. It's only once a week, so we won't bombard you, I promise. And then just a reminder to um, or to flag to you the resources that we've got online. So um, they are some of them cover African swine fever, but others particularly relevant here for your um, for your own um, farms looking at the foot dip signs so if you're encouraging visitors get some foot dip signs put up um, and also if you've got footpaths running through or you've got people walking um, through your you know your, um, your property then get some signs up about not feeding the pigs and make it nice and clear they're all sort of there's no charge to them on the website they come on really thick weatherproof boarding so they're nice and weatherproof for the winter and you can order as many as you like from that link so please do and then the other thing just to say is to contact us. Um, so I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with Tony Bales. Um, he is the knowledge exchange manager um, and he's particularly responsible for small scale producers. So um, he's always available um, for practical issues. There's Nikki on the bureau and her team. And then there's me and um, my team in health and welfare on anything disease, contingency planning, biosecurity, related if you're going to shows and you you want signage if you want someone to come and talk at an event perhaps anything like that please do just shout because it's what we're here for um and just to flag again the hdb small um scale um, producers web pages and guide that's got links to all the legislation um and many other resources so um it's available to download from there but if you've got questions and there's things you need from us then please do just shout and i shall stop Thank you. Take any questions. I don't know which one to address it to, either Nikki or Lauren. Um, talked about the salmonella risk assessment. Um, we're talking a lot about biosecurity and um, disease spreading and just basic looking after your pigs and biosecurity. Should this now be advised as a good common practice for us? to put in place? And if so, how do we go about doing it? Yeah, so it doesn't hurt to have, and it's something, um, I know we're gonna to touch on the DEFRA's Animal Health and Welfare Pathway in another session, but one of mm. the salmonella is an ongoing interest for them um, and for food standards, and it, it's not gonna go away. Um, so it would be a good idea to, to have, or at least to start thinking about. So you don't have to have a perfect plan, but to start thinking about what it might look like for you and your situation. So there is a um, risk assessment tool and it, it's, it's quite, it's user-friendly. It's a bit clunky and it's, um, but you can work your way through it and um, see which parts are relevant to you. And that might start giving some ideas. So 
we'll put the link in these slides actually and then um you can have a look and just have a work through but it's like an excel offline sheet you can work through it and just just fill in the bits that are relevant and start pulling that information together um but yeah i think it would be a good idea to to make a start um okay. and Isolation facilities, um, how easy is it to get those put in place and where's your first port of call to um, get one set up? I would speak to your vet first because they'll be able to help you um, put, we've got some basic information on what they, you know, how to get started. So again, I'll attach them um, to the presentation, but I'd then run through with your vet to make sure that they're, they approve because, um, that's a they're the sort of um, the professional expert in that field um, and then you can also speak to APHA and I know that sometimes can be slow but if you want to get them approved so if you're looking at breeding animals for example and you want to get approved facilities then you'll need to have an APHA inspection and approval on that isolation which would then mean that you were sort of exempt from standstill which may be helpful if you're um, looking at getting a number of breeding animals. So when you confirm your movement on, it asks, are you moving your pigs into an approved APHA isolation facility? Now, you may well, along with your vet, set up your own isolation facilities for good practice, but they're not officially approved by APHA. If you've got an officially approved isolation facility by APHA, it lasts for 12 months. It has to be renewed every 12 months, and it means you're exempt from your standstills. So quite often we find people that do a lot of shows, for example, they've got very good isolation facilities because they move their animals. You know, shows come along quite quickly together, don't they? So you can find yourself in a, the middle of show season. So they have approved isolation facilities and they take the same animals where they're going and they don't mix with um, the rest of their herds. So they have to be approved, so you have to have them renewed every 12 months? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And that's just opened my eyes, because I've got an isolation unit, and I had one done, oh, I don't know, say over 20 years ago, and I remember when I did have it, and the chap that started to come out, and I asked if I had to have it renewed, and he said no. So to this day... I think that I've still got an isolation unit, but um, right. Thank you. I'll have that. a word with you, Beth, perhaps, Kim. I will. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Something new. <laughs> and again, you know, it's about that personal, how you run your businesses. You don't need to have the APHA to still have a good isolation facility mm. that helps you protect your herds yeah. and your animals. Um, this is just an extra step that allows you to not have to stand by the 21 day standstills. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Anybody else got any questions? Oh. Is there a cost to the isolation unit? And is that repayable every 12 months when it's reassessed? I'm really not sure, Jane, but I would imagine there is. I would imagine it's a vet charge because a vet somebody will have to come out and give you that stamp of approval. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know any more, Lauren, but no, there is a. Um, it's an APHA, so right, an initial charge. cost, and then there's an, an APHA vet charge um, that's rolling. And I'll double check. I don't know exactly off the top of my head what it is, but yeah, there is. It it should. 
I think it's it, it's nominal in comparison once you're set up I think it's I don't think it's a horrendous but let me double check and I'll pop it in the um in the notes when we send them over we have got we have got an isolation unit for uh, our sheep and because our vet is an APHA approved vet the APHA or the vet charges the APHA and they pay it but we it doesn't cost us anything right. to set up at all so I'm wondering if I'm wondering if that's the kind have of a same. word with your vet yeah <laughs> worth asking the question absolutely yeah quite possibly it'll work for both species so yeah worth asking. <laughs> no other questions? Oh, wow. Well, anything else coming? Questions on the chat, Andrew? Nothing on the chat, no. No. So everybody seems to be quite happy with it. Well, I think it's been very thorough. I, think I know, that's exactly. That's the key point. So big thank you to Nicola and to Lauren for their time and expertise, knowledge. Thank you very much. Thank you for oh, having you. us. And Lovely. Yeah, yeah, talk yeah. to us anytime. You know, we're not, that's what we are here for. So um, yeah. and please do contact us. <laughs> always very helpful. Always very helpful. Um, so, Lauren, will you send me over, either myself or Andrew, you've got our email address, the, the slides with all the links, and Nicola, will you do the same, please? I, and then as I said, Kim, I've been really tardy and haven't done any slides. I've, I stuck to my live demo, but, but Lauren's got all of the links yeah. you need. And I think also we, you're going to do a little bit in your next newsletter, so we'll have, you'll have some more information yeah. and contact details and things. We will, yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Thank you. Uh, Okay. Okay, everybody. Well, have a lovely evening. Thank you very much, Nicola. Thank you very much, Lauren. Yeah. Hope to see you again soon. Um, and if anybody's got any questions. Time. Pardon? So do thank you, you everyone, for joining and giving their time. Brilliant. Do you need us to stay on the call or are you happy for us to go and top Can our wine stay up on? too? I'm I'd... sure I've seen someone with wine. Have you actually seen I think I've seen no, a wine. That's not wine. That's not wine. Oh, beer. <laughs> <Take that>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're all at it now. Look. Mm. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, day. everyone. Right. Thank Thanks, you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you again to Nicola and Lauren for their time and a very informative podcast. Um, I, I hope you enjoyed it and just. Uh, reminder that if you watch to view the slides that are associated with the um, podcast you can do so um, there's a link in the description for the podcast um, on the website there um, enjoy well that's it for this edition and until next time i wish you all happy pig keeping Bye.